Henry Muhlenberg was trained in the early 1700s in uh, Germany to be a pastor. And Germany had the most formal, uh, rigorous training pa uh, program for its pastors. Uh, Muhlenberg didn't graduate from seminary until he was 30 years old. And he was asked by, by the, the seminary there if he would be interested in doing missions. And he said, yes, I would love to do missions to India. And they sent him to America. And he said, okay, I'll go to America, but only three years. He stayed the rest of his life. Uh, even though the Lord sends us places we don't always ask for, he knows what he's doing. Our missional text tonight from the Old Testament is from Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exalt. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was a month's long journey for Henry Muhlenberg to, to travel to the States. He received a congregation in Pennsylvania. And when he got there, however, he was shocked to find out that somebody had already taken the office of the pastor. Now, it was an individual who had not been uh, trained or called or ordained or anything like that. Uh, a problem that he stepped into is all of America was, at that time, a wild west spiritually. Every denomination was competing. Uh, clergy tended to prefer serving established congregations in Europe rather than go to the chaos of America. And so what happened was individuals uh, who who had generally fallen into evil living in one town or municipality, uh, this before social media, they would move to another town and say, hey, I want to be your pastor. And sometimes they would get the job. So Muhlenberg, right off the bat, had to deal with this issue that they called the, the pretenders. And it was not an easy to sort, uh, issue to sort out, and it was happening in, in many towns. But he, he patiently... Uh, and lovingly began to teach about the importance of being well studied in the scriptures, not just for pastor's sake, but for the sake of the whole congregation. And he taught them the value of knowing the scriptures because the scriptures show us clearly our Savior, our Savior Jesus. And Muhlenberg is known as the father of the, the Lutheran church because he, was said, he said to all the Lutheran churches in Pennsylvania, come on guys, we've got to do better. And so he, he founded the Pennsylvania Ministerium, which was the first Lutheran synod. We're part of a synod that encourages us towards excellence in ministry. The epistle reading for this day is from Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, He makes the angels winds, and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him, namely the women, after he had risen. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world. And proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then... The Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And the disciples went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Flat tire syndrome. Do you have it? It's not a real condition, but it's often used as an analogy when people mistake what has become normal in their life or in their world or community, when they mistake what has become the norm for the way things should be, the way things are created to be. And so uh, this happens when you drive around town and 
in this community, you see all sorts of deflated tires and you think that's normal because everybody's driving around with flat tires. But it's not just flat tires on bikes or cars, but it could be like long lawns or it could be uh, anger or a topic Jesus brought up in last week's gospel, divorce. The disciples in today's gospel suffer from flat tire syndrome. They're completely used to, they've accepted it as the norm that life is broken. They have accepted it as normal disappointment due to death and decay. But Jesus points out to them that in spite of all the broken rims and wrecked cars, tires are meant to be inflated. There's a pressure for these things. And in other words, as it applies to us, human beings, you and I were created for abundant life. We were built, created to stand straight eternally. That's what we were created for. But this has not been our experience, has it? Since sin entered the world, since we have observed sin in every corner of our life, we know that this world is badly damaged as nations seek to sabotage the work of other nations, as corporations allegedly have acted in self-interest even though it harms their customers. Everybody views this world in terms of scarcity and power, of pleasure and avoiding pain. And in this system, everybody gets hurt. Everybody carries scars. Everybody feels like hunching over. And our conscience reminds us that things aren't the way they're supposed to be, aren't the way we were created to be. Everything feels all flat. It's true what God said in the beginning. If you do these things, you will die. Jesus came into this world not simply to give us motivation. You can do better or simply to say, uh, like in some religions, it's not as bad as it appears. No, Jesus says it's bad. Jesus calls the human heart evil. But the good news is that Jesus came to make all things new. Jesus didn't come to simply improve a broken world, but Jesus came to perfect it. Jesus came to shine a light on the places that were broken or cracked or wicked or sick. And to redeem everything, to bring about the new creation, uh, Jesus surprised everyone. Instead of worrying about scarcity and gathering up for the coming storm, Jesus gave everything away. Instead of avoiding pain and seeking pleasure, Jesus marched on towards the cross, fully knowing, fully spelling out to his disciples that it would cost him greatly. Jesus chose the agony of death. Jesus chose to be lifted up in the sight of his disciples who abandoned him and the mockers who said, this is normal. This is the power of Rome. This is the power of religious authority. See what we can do, Jesus. And his disciples said, yeah, this happens too much. One innocent man dies while the powers that be keep on marching and rolling on, hungry for more and more, greedy for more power. Therefore, 
even when the risen Lord comes to his disciples after the resurrection, even when the Lord meets them at table, when they're eating and drinking together, even when they see him with their eyes, St. Mark says they doubt, they disbelieve because they're deflated. But that all changes when Jesus speaks. When Jesus speaks, he doesn't come uh, ultimately to point out where we're broken, damaged, dented, flawed, sick. Jesus comes to heal. Jesus comes to lift us up and he does it through a word of forgiveness. When Jesus meets us with absolution, which means the washing away, all our concerns about worldly issues, our desires for more, our cravings, our doubts, our fears, even death itself is washed away. It is in the resurrected Jesus and him alone that we get a picture of the way that life, that our life is meant to be now and in the world to come. We were meant to stand. We were meant to live. And Jesus comes to give that to his disciples. He comes to give you that forgiveness, that newness, that washing, that healing tonight. It's gospel, freely given. Believe it. Receive it. Jesus says to his disciples, go into all the world and proclaim good news to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is washed will be saved. And now it is in these last days that Christian churches have been given a great mission. We used to call the end of Mark and Matthew the Great Commission. But when I hear commission, I hear like trying to sell stuff uh, for, to, to get paid. Uh, I like to call it the Great Mission. The mission of the church is to be a service station for the deflated. It's to tell people all that we were meant for. Abundant life, for healing, reconciliation, restoration. Because in truth, we all suffer from flat tire syndrome. Even after we've been baptized, even after we've come to faith, we leak. All it takes is a little stress, a little anxiety, gloomy weather, bad news, and all of a sudden, we close our eyes of faith. And all we can see is the pain and the brokenness and the evil. And all we can think about is all that we've got to get done. We worry, we fret, we get angry at others. Dear friends, you were made for more. Tonight, Jesus is giving you and me more. That's what the mission of Henry Muhlenberg was all about. Offering individuals whose lives in the new world were uh, in chaos and disorder and uncertainty. He lived through the American Revolution. And you could you know, read his journals about the revolution and you could basically insert any war or pandemic. He believed it was absolutely terrible on both sides. But he saw life. He saw peace. He heard it from the scriptures. And he was willing to go to people's barns. He was go willing to go to their city squares. He was willing to visit churches to help them be reminded of their mission. He helped them fill up, and then he helped them fill others with the ministry, proclaiming the word, 
speaking clearly about forgiveness for broken sinners and guiding in the newness of life. Dear brothers and sisters, we have the same great mission. But before we can do that, we have to be filled up first by Jesus. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.